All right, time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. Let's start with uh, the interview I did this morning with David E. Yeah, I heard that. Running for the NDP leadership, shoo-in to be the premier here. You think so? <laughs> Going out on a limb? <laughs> Going out. You don't have to be the amazing Kreskin, I think, to predict <laughs> this one. Um, what do you think? I mean, I, I tried to... You know, focus on crime mm-hmm. and some of the mayhem we're seeing in, in Metro Vancouver well, this week. What do you think of his answers? Uh, nothing I hadn't heard before from him, but I think that is the issue right now for him. Uh, being the Attorney General up until uh, just a few days ago, yeah. as you met, referenced, you played that clip of Shirley Bond. Yeah. Um, this was a dominant issue in the, in the last legislative session in terms of uh, street crime before we saw some of the more horrific incidents just in the last week. So this has been an issue that's emerging front and center. It's been dominating the news hour on Global for for well more than a week now. Uh, crime has really um, been top of mind for many people because of what's going on out there. So um, and I heard uh, Eleanor Sturko, the Liberal candidate in Surrey South, um, for the Liberals, I thought had some good points too. I think one of the things EB's going to have to wrestle with, and he's going to be facing is that there was a grace period for the NDP when they came in because the Liberals had been in power for 16 years. The NDP was not expected to fix things overnight or solve things overnight. But now they've been, as Ellen Sturkel pointed out, they've been in power for five years now. Yeah. And I think there's less patience now for a government in power for five years to say, oh, we're going to, you know, we're working on it. People want to see, I think, more results in a more timely fashion. And so this situation of... You know, the, the more than 200 police files for this one individual in Prince George. I don't think it's good enough to say, well, you know, it's the federal government's fault. Uh, I think there's less uh, public uh, patience right now for those solutions. Yeah, and I think another reason that EB is potentially vulnerable on this file, too, is it's not just sort of partisan attacks from the B.C. liberals going after him. It's the mayors, the mayors. of the largest cities of British Columbia who are putting mm-hmm. pressure on him and releasing statistics on these prolific repeat offenders. The delays in the justice system are getting longer. The charge approval rate is going down, so there are fewer charges being approved. So, you know, that's coming from the mayors of the largest yeah, cities of BC, it, and that's that's tough. If Evie's uh, defense is, oh, this is largely a federal uh, problem or federal uh, problems that resu- result from federal dicta- um, dictative uh, orders to prosecutors, then I think he's got to get ahead of the ball here and blow the whistle himself on yeah, the feds. Yeah. And like, why does it take Shirley Bond, the opposition uh, leader at the time, to release the startling information that some guy has 260 police files and not a single charge. In one year. In one year and not a single charge. If I was, you know, the attorney general should be releasing that information and saying this is unacceptable. You know, this is not something we want. And then put the pressure on the federal government, if that's what's required, to change the policy to ensure this catch and release program doesn't continue like this. You talked about how the Global News Hour has been focusing on on crime. We saw the shooting rampage in Langley this week, the shootout in Whistler Village. Uh, let's have a listen to this. This was on the news hour last night. So you'll hear the voice of Cal Sanchez here, police officer who works with uh, kids. And here's what he had to say in the news hour last night. And I'll get your thoughts. There's a sense of them being feeling disenfranchised. Uh, essentially what it is, is youth are always looking for some kind of anchor. And when they don't find that anchor, it's that typical uh, rebellion and teenage angst, uh, which results in these kids seeking that kind of destructive and violent behavior. This guy works a lot with young people, especially young men. And he's talking about young men, why are they driven into crime? And it's not just gangs. Like, for example, just recently the shootout in the the bank at Sanitier, two 22-year-old twins from Duncan. You had those two young guys from Port Alberni uh, a few years ago on that cross-country murder rampage. 
Um, the shooters in the states at these at these mass shootings are largely young men. Um, so you it's interesting. Angus Reed Institute had a poll out last year on community attitudes and found that one particular sector of the fields, particularly um, disenfranchised and alienated, are young men under the age of thirty uh, who are not as connected as other other age groups. So it's interesting to see. In the course of two days, we had young people, young men in their 20s, being charged in two separate incidents with, with significant crimes. Yeah, okay, it's one we continue to follow very closely. Keith, let's talk a little bit about the Hockey Canada scandal. Oh. This is getting worse for Biggest the people at the top of Hockey Canadian Canada. Biggest sports history. I mean, this, really? this yeah. dwarfs the Ben Johnson doping scandal. This thing just keeps getting worse and worse with the revelations that are coming out. And I thought the executives of Hockey Canada appearing in front of that Heritage Committee in Ottawa, I thought they looked absolutely terrible. Yeah, $8.9 million paid out by Hockey Canada to settle 21 cases of alleged sexual Money assault. collected from hockey parents with yeah. un- unknowingly, when they give their $25, uh, thinking that it's, you know, pay for things related to hockey, it's actually, some of it's being used to settle these sexual assault claims. Yeah, and the president of Hockey Canada, Scott Smith, on the hot seat in Ottawa in front mm-hmm. of an all-party committee here the last couple of days. Many MPs all calling parties. on him to resign. Every party. And he is digging in and saying he's not going to resign. Here's what he had to say yesterday to MPs in Ottawa. Scott Smith, president of Hockey Canada. You have asked for transparency. You've asked for accountability. You've asked for Hockey Canada to change. I'm here to lead that change. I took on this role just over a month ago, just as you and Canadians challenged us to fix our house. I will not walk away from the demands you have rightly put before us. I don't know. I, I think they need a total house cleaning over there. Your thoughts? If he was a cabinet minister, he'd be out on his keister. Yeah. I mean, they just it would, he wouldn't survive this if you were a cabinet minister. Uh, they're a strange uh, entity, Hockey Canada is. I'm not sure what the government can do about this, but I think it's a uh, total house cleaning is basically what I think most Canadians are looking for. Yeah, I think, you know, watching his testimony yesterday, I think he clearly went in there saying I, I, he's in fighting to save his job. He, he's resisting these calls to resign. But as you said, this t- appears to be cross-partisan here. There, there's no, it's not just the opposition calling for this guy's head. It's like every single party mm-hmm. is saying that, look, this place needs to be uh, cleaned out from the well, top. Uh, did you get them graciously offering to tie their bonuses to how well they do in terms of cleaning this up? I mean, the fact that they're even talking about bonuses in terms of compensation at a time when that organization is, is in deep crisis is somewhat, again, indicative of how out of touch they are. Okay, get set to call me on that one and tell me if you think that the leaders there at Hockey Canada should step down over this. Let's finish up, Keith, with the situation in uh, Alberta with the uh, contest now to replace Jason Kenney as the Alberta Premier, leader of the United Conservative Party. Danielle Smith, right? She got into a jam with these comments on cancer that some people interpreted that she was trying to blame cancer victims when they get to stage four mm-hmm. cancer. Why didn't they prevent their cancer somehow uh, before they got so sick? She was on the defense about that last she, night. She really was. So there was a debate last night for the United Conservative Party leadership. She was clearly on the defensive. Other candidates ganging up on her, going after her on these cancer comments. Have a listen to this. This is um, uh, Rajan Sani, who is a, an MLA in Alberta running for the leadership. Would appear to have no chance of winning, but she's running for the leadership. Here she is going after Danielle Smith. This gives you an idea of the tone of this debate last night. 
Ms. Smith, you have a platform. You are an influencer. You have people who listen to what you say. Those kind of irresponsible comments actually speak to me that there is an issue with impulsiveness here and uh, there is an issue with somebody who is making rash statements. Okay, I think it's indicative of that Danielle Smith, despite the jam she's landed in here this week, appears to be the front runner for this job, although it's tough to tell. Tough to tell. Brian Jean is another high-profile um, candidate there. It appears to be, to, be, to be between those two candidates, but yeah. who knows? Me and I were talking off air. It's going to be interesting, given Daniel Smith's controversial, to say the least, comments like this. Oh. Um, how, will she be taken that seriously uh, by other premiers? It's interesting to watch the relationship between John Horgan and Jason Kenney and Doug Ford. You've got polar opposites in terms of ideology, but those three get along just well, just just fine, as they do with other premiers. Uh, I've noticed when you get to the premier stage, it's not so much your your party's politics that dictate how you get along with other premiers; it's your personality and and your and again, it's going to be interesting to see how Danielle Smith fits into that council of federation. I, I think what wins. I think what she was trying to achieve here with these cancer comments here and talking about preventative medicine and an alternative holistic medicine and that kind of thing was. I think she's trying to appeal to the base of this party in Alberta that say there's been too much government heavy handedness on uh, lockdowns and vaccine mandates. And this is I'm what, this sure is what she's talking. This is what she's trying to appeal maybe, to. But I, I think some of this, I think the natural path stuff, this, this the cancer comments, I think, are a little different than the anti-vaccine mandates. I think this is going into an area where she's been lambasted by people who are against vaccine mandates and other yeah. stuff, but this one seems to have crossed a line for a lot of people. Okay. Baldry's Beat, I've got open phone lines right now. If you phone right now, you're going to get through. 604-280-9898. Phone me on, you want to talk about violent crime in the streets of Metro Vancouver, the response from David Eby, who will be the next Premier of the province. Call me on that. 604-280-9898. Star 9898 on your cell. James in White Rock. Hi, James, go ahead. Hi, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. So I, I, I'm just really interested to see what's going to happen because it's pretty much a shoe-in that, that Daniel Smith is going to win in Alberta. I think anybody that thinks otherwise is kind of grasping it. Why do, you, why do you think that? <laughs> because the mandate that she puts forward is exactly what Albertans are looking for right now. And, and the reason why I say that is because there's still a, a huge amount of, of economic despair in that province that, that still goes either unheard or unrecognized. Mm -hmm. And um, the, the one that I'm waiting for is the head smashing between, between Evie and, and, uh, and Daniel Smith. Because I think that's yeah. a conflict mm -hmm. that's going to be hardcore for both BC and Alberta once that one happens. Okay, yes, that's... Uh, Obviously, that would probably be the two most likely um, disagreeers at that federal uh, stage. But again, we anticipated John Horgan to get in fights with uh, Jason Kenney and Doug Ford, and that didn't happen. So it remains to be seen what's going to happen at, at the national level. But I, again, Daniel Smith is going to be a bit of a square, square peg in a round hole with a lot of premiers. The other thing that she's advancing, I mean, there's been a lot of attention the last few days on these cancer comments, but maybe what's even more important on her platform that she's advancing Alberta is this thing. Alberta Sovereignty yeah. Act. Which has been denounced and ridiculed by, by the finance minister, Taze, there, saying it's completely unworkable and unconstitutional. Yeah. But it sounds good to Albertans who, who believe in that, uh, that sort of 
Alberta against the world, which yeah. has been sort of the mentality there for, for quite a long time. They feel pilloried unfairly for their oil and gas sector. Uh, this goes back, remember, back to Pierre Trudeau and the, the whole oil and gas fight there. Um, yeah. That's, that's never really – doesn't seem to have ever disappeared from Alberta in terms of that mentality. So she, it plays well. But is it workable? At not a single constitutional lawyer I've seen quoted thinks it amounts to more than just a piece of paper. Yeah, I mean, she's talking about some sort of Alberta sovereignty law within the within the province that would allow Alberta to refuse to enforce some specific laws or federal policies, federal laws or policies, if it goes against the interests of Alberta. Yeah, well. And some of her own colleagues in the party are saying that this is, you can't, this is not, this is not good. The, the Alberta's finance minister, for one, mm. is saying that this would be impossible to achieve. It would be a big problem for Alberta, but maybe a lot of members of this party, they love the sound of it. Well, yeah, but again, um, Winning the party leadership is one thing. Winning the general election is quite another. I think Rachel Notley, the NDP leader, loves to hear Danielle Smith talk about this type of thing because it might play well to the to the, the United Conservative Party. But as you get outside that party into more mainstream voters in Alberta, as much as they support you know measures that support Alberta, uh, I think stuff like this sets her up for ridicule more than anything. Star ninety eight ninety eight is the number to call on your cell phone. Toll free, star 9898. Let me go quickly back to... We haven't heard from Rob from Chilliwack today. That hasn't been the first day in a long time. Uh, Let me ask you uh, quickly your thoughts on... We touched briefly on uh, Eleanor Sturko, who's Mm -hmm. a former RCMP officer and spokesperson for the RCMP, and she's running for the Liberals in that South Surrey by-election, which still has not been called, correct? Yeah, hasn't been called yet. Um, I think it's six months past April 30th is uh, the window for John Horgan to call it, or David Eby. I mean, I would think... Um, could be Eby's could, call. Could eh? be Eby's call. Uh. So Surrey, uh, Surrey South has usually been a strong BC Liberal riding, but the margin of victory has de- has been reduced the last couple of elections. So it was only about 1,200 was the margin of victory last time. So I think the yeah. NDP's got a shot there. But traditionally in BC, governments don't win by-elections. Yeah. By and large, it's mostly the opposition party. I mean, the NDP won in Chilliwack, Hope, uh, a number of years ago, um, you know, in a by-election when no one gave them any chance of winning there at all, but because the sentiment against the government's always a bit cranky, it's always an uphill struggle for a government to win. A it's by-election. a liberal riding right now, right? No, oh, yeah, Stephanie Cadu was right. the longtime MLA that, uh, from Surrey. She switched ridings a couple times, but uh, as I say, it's been a, it's never the NDP's never won there. Yeah, um, this is the NDP, but the, the demographics are changing, which is why the NDP won in. In places like Langley, Abbotsford, and Chilliwack last time. It's going to be interesting whether the provincial conservative party runs a candidate in Surrey South. They ran a candidate in Vancouver Point Grey, um, where, uh, again, to fill the vacancy there left by Andrew Wilkinson uh, for Kevin Falcon to get in. But they got seven points there, which really wasn't a factor because Falcon won by uh, such a large margin. A seven-point showing by the conservatives in Surrey South could give the riding to the NDP. Okay, and that would be a, a big setback for the Liberals there, because to lose a that significant seat. setback. Yeah. Now, Eleanor Sturko, I think, is a pretty high-quality candidate. She is. She's very articulate. Yeah. She's a former media spokesperson. So I think I, if you had to bet, I'd bet on the Liberals winning that. Sure. But I, won't, I don't think it's as safe a bet as it was a few years ago. Okay, we're, we're following that one closely. Thank you, Keith. All right, talk to you